Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Faith here with a welcome toast. It was Charles Lamb who said, a mixture of brandy and water spoils two good things. Please feel free to consume this show podcast in small bites or eat the whole thing. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We have a couple of wine discoveries, and these are red wines. You want to put a little chill on them. Great with grilled food, these two wines, one from Spain, one from France. And they are so affordable, so that is a treat. We have the book Dinner with DiMaggio, and uh, we'll talk all about that. Mark Raymond has discovered a new soft-shell crab dish in Connecticut. If you're into soft-shell crabs, as all of us seem to be, (laughs) this is the season, and we've got a new one for you. I know we talked about it last week, but we have a new discovery. I hope there's a little time for me to talk about a kind of shrimp scampi sauce for pasta and for other things, too. All of that ahead. My treasured food buddies, more to the point, are here. Senior contributors Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, Mark Raymond, and Robin Doyen Aiken, our senior producer. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. Okay. (laughs) I remember last year we tried this as an experiment. We want to share this with you right now. But to begin with, this involves rosé. It could involve another kind of wine, any wine, in fact. But can we say something about rosés? If you are someone who likes super dry wine and you don't know rosés, you think, no, that's that pink in the glass. That's not for me. Can you wine guys especially talk about rosé? It's like white wine and red wine crossed with no sugar, served chilled, You know, the inside of a grape is totally clear, red or white grape. The only reason red wine's red is because they allow it to sit for a couple of weeks. With the the skin? Yeah, with the skin. So you take a red grape, press it really quickly, you separate it from the skins, and you just give it like a couple hours to turn this beautiful pink, and there's like a zillion colors. I'm a red wine drinker. I'm also a white wine drinker. But what I love about rosé is it gives me the opportunity to drink another something, color, another, another <laughs> color, but something with that, something that has a little bit more depth than a white wine, but yet not as bold as a red wine. It's refreshing, it's and it goes with so mm-hmm. many different foods. Yeah. So why does it go with so many different foods? Because as we heard Alex describe. It's the pink, various shades of pink are coming from skin contact that's right. been left at different, different lengths levels, of time. Right. It has just enough depth in texture that will work itself with foods that are fatty. Yeah. You know, so the things that we usually think of eating like with steak, red wines. Burgers. Mm-hmm. Steaks and burgers. Grilled fish. Food, salmon. You know, yeah. pork yeah. and yeah. lamb. Chicken. You know. Or nothing at all. Or, or just by or itself. Nothing yeah. At yeah. Nothing at all. Come home. Chill it. Yeah. On the porch. On the absolutely. Porch. On the porch, Chris. And I heard this new term this week, which I thought was absolutely hysterical. When you go to a restaurant or a bar, you ask for the high tide pour. 
not the low tide Ooh, pour. What's that? The high tide pour. So you say to the bartender, I want the high tide pour. It's closer it to the top of the glass. It means closer to the top of the glass. Oh, my God. I'm going to wow. say that every single and time. And I absolutely <laughs> love that. Ooh. No, can we, before we get to this trick that we're going to talk about on the show that involves any kind of wine, this high tide, low tide pour, is anyone noticing when you go to a restaurant that the pour is getting shorter and shorter. Is anyone noticing this? Mm. Or are the glasses getting bigger and bigger? Right. Uh, no, no, that is not the case in my case. You know, normally I'm not paying attention, but it's so short that my head snaps back and I think, are you joking? A lot of restaurants are using the carafe, the six ounce carafe, so yeah. that, you know, you can no. actually see you're getting a not, proper not measure. Not in my case, but so I see that. Right. You're just yeah. being right. no, this stingy. Is, no, I don't think stingy. I think the restaurant, they know that the money comes from the bar and so yeah. they're being so careful but it doesn't transmit generosity yeah yeah at, at my place i give a big pour we don't make as much money maybe but make I, people it, happy it makes you feel welcome right. right if you get a teeny little glass of wine then you i don't know that snap your head back kind of feeling mm. that's the way to set the night onto the wrong direction for any restaurant it's so much worth it to see smiles on faces than to give a short pour. So here's Agreed. what's happening Agreed. to friends of yeah. mine now, because we've all been talking about that we see this happening in restaurants. When we go to a place that does a generous pour, and it may be the wait staff doing that, we will say to them, what a generous pour. We so appreciate it. And we will add a dollar or two on the gratuity. Mm. So to come back to Rosé for a second, Robin is someone who is just now getting into Rosés. And so, Robin, what do you think about it? I feel like rosés are very celebratory. It might not be a holiday. It might, you might not even be at brunch or whatever, but they're very celebratory. Hmm. Um, the other night I had a rosé. It was probably one I took home uh, from the show. <laughs> and you know, like when you have Prosecco, you think nothing of dropping some fruit in there. Yeah. It's like, you know, common. Yeah, yeah. With a rosé, it always gets a little better if you put a little strawberry in it. I mean, you don't uh, overload it or anything. No. I'm not trying to have a wine cooler. But when I put a little fruit in there, I just feel like it adds to the, the celebratory yeah. nature of yeah, the no, wine. That's good. You just dress it up a bit. And yeah. then you get that yeah. nice little bonus at the end of the glass. That's mm-hmm. right. I don't know why we have become ambassadors of rosé, but it is one of those things because we all like wine. We want to spread the wealth. We want to say to you... If you haven't tried this, this is not Zinfandel, pink Zinfandel. Mm-mm, nothing. No. From years no, no, ago. No, no, I mean, no. nothing wrong with loving pink Zinfandel. No, it's we don't, cut your teeth we don't judge that. Yeah. Well, also, some people like sweet wine. Yeah. I love that people love that. Your dentist uh, doesn't love that. We've had a Zinfandel <laughs> white on our list since we opened, and people love it. But this rosé that we're talking about is not that. It Nuh-uh. is much drier. It feels like a celebration in the glass. You can mm-hmm. get it sparkling or flat. Mm-hmm. You can get it in all shades of pink. Yeah. All right. After all of this, you've been hanging on. I so appreciate it. What is the tip connected to this? <laughs> it is rosé. I drink it all year with things because I just adore it. When it turns warm, rosé needs to be ice cold. Icy it is cold. gorgeous. Yes. Now, there are $100 bottles of rosé. Right. Tavel, is it Tavel or Tavel? Tavel. Tavel is a French maker. This is extraordinarily expensive and gorgeous, and I'm not putting it on 
thinking about making this ice cold, but every other rosé that I can think of, I put mine in the freezer mm. before serving. What happens though when you're walking around with it in your glass? It starts to get warm. Mm. So Hate on the show we invented. You're not drinking fast enough. That, and, and, I'm, and I'm a slow drinker. <laughs> I'm in that camp. So on the show we invented something. I think mm. a year ago or yes. a couple years ago. We said, what would happen if we put rosé? You know, we spend ten, twelve dollars a bottle on rosés. Right. Maybe fifteen, mm-hmm. but you know, affordable. What if we bought two bottles and we put some in a couple of ice cube trays, they do freeze, Mm -hmm. and then when you're serving it to people, you put frozen rosé ice cubes in the glass. The rosé itself is cold when you serve it, but it stays freezing cold in your glass. It is so refreshing. And then at the end of your drink starts to turn slushy. Mm. Oh, I love that's my favorite part. An adult slurpee. Listen, (laughs) since you came up with this with the beer years ago, frozen beer cubes, I do this to white wine and beer now. And the other day I had a rosé. I was like, oh, I want an ice cube. And I put a white wine ice cube in there. And I was oh, like, that sure works fine. Great. But you know what? Did I'm thinking, work? yes, it worked fine. But you know what I'm thinking? The what? other way around. The red wine? I should rose have into white. Rose. So I take your idea of the rosé cubes and oh. I drop that in my either Pinot white Grigio wine. or Sauvignon Blanc. Get a wow. little pink You're making color. your own blend. You're How making cool your blend. I think you take Robin's <laughs> idea, you put a raspberry or blackberry inside the ice cube oh, tray. And, then and you now you have bonus. a frozen blackberry inside, inside the rosé like cube. Yeah. And then when it melts, you get a bonus. Now you're dressing it up. Yeah, it's only going to make it better. Oh, yeah. Remember Alex's relative has the mantra that you shouldn't baptize wine. Yeah, my grandpa. (laughs) Right. So if you are making a a rosé ice cube, then you are keeping your wine cold without baptizing it. That's right. That's right. So, you know, the fun thing about rosé is they range in price from, generally speaking, between $10 and $15, and you can almost grab any of them. They are all so good. Yeah. Walk into the store, anyone's going to have, they should be fresh, like vintage. It should be 2016 at this point. The ones from Spain or France or Italy or no, California, do you want them to be? Good. Oh, so you think anywhere in the world? Most wine shops today are only buying really good ones. No one's buying bad ones. A $10 one or a $15 one are going to be so drinkable, so delicious. I, I rarely come across bad rosés. Yeah, yeah so, I agree. And they're coming from everywhere, like you yeah. said. It's I, I just have a incredible. question for the wine guys, though. And this is something I've been doing at home in this 8 to $10 range. I spritz all my wine when I get home and I want to have a, little a glass of wine. splash of carbonation. Uh, and, and I learned that from my parents. My parents what put a little soda in their wine. So and spritzer. Spritzer, yeah. It's just soda water. Nothing flavored, yeah. right? I have one of those tabletop carbonators. Yep. Or club soda. Uh, or club soda, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about like half and half. You pour in your glass of wine. I throw in an ice cube and then I just top it with maybe a shot or two of soda. And mm-hmm. it gives it a little effervescence. It gives it a little bubble. A little frizzante. It, yeah, it cuts the alcohol a little bit, which is good in the summertime, right? Because you're drinking outside in the heat. I know we're not supposed to baptize the wine or whatever, but is it so bad to do that if it's really... So here, here okay, comes a big ahead. discussion right, <laughs> because I, as a party wine in the summer for a big crowd, I would go to, say, Segura Viudas Rosé, which is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, as uh, Alex knows, from mm-hmm. Spain. It's eight ninety nine a bottle, and I think it tastes just great, looks great in the glass, mm-hmm. everybody's happy, it's fine. So why am I putting club soda in my rosé, if I could, for the same price or even less, do this. What do you folks say, Alex? So I just got back from Spain. Everyone on that pilgrimage was drinking white wine mixed with 7-Up. 
See? And it's That's and they I'm call it like a rebulata yeah. and because they, they drink call a, it a what? A rebulata. I'm probably yeah. butchering it. Yeah. But what does that word mean? Uh, where's where's so Matt the name? Where's the pronunciation guy? So yeah. it's half seven up and half white wine and they, they'll mix it and they serve it chilled. It's sort it, of like a Kalimocho is a red wine and Coca-Cola that was but, popular. This thing that Alex is describing is mm-hmm. all over Europe, and we've talked about this it's all over the years. world. All over South the world. America does it like crazy. Soda, yeah, and wine. So why yeah. do I feel guilty? And and I had guests over once, and I did this for everybody, and everyone flipped out on me. You know, but it, why it, is it so bad if the, the rest of the world is doing so it? So it's not that it's bad. Okay. What I wonder about is how much sugar do you want in your drinks for the night? That sugar, I think, is going to make you feel very bad tomorrow. <laughs> but I'm not so, doing the sugar one, right? I'm only doing soda water, right? right? So, yeah. And that's oh, not as bad. He's, he's doing 7-Up. Well, they do 7-Up and Coca-Cola. They're doing Coca-Cola. But I think the idea is they don't want all the alcohol. That's so it's my a way point, of, of having the a cocktail. But why it. are they so, not doing club soda? That's my Well, that my would point. work, too. Yeah, well, and that is one of the biggest jokes in South America is that Everybody in Argentina takes their red wine or their white wine, and they blend it with soda. You club know, soda or club sugar soda? soda. No, yeah, they so, have so, what's so. called siphon, and yeah. it's it's soda sort of like well, those old gas bottles. It's a spritzer, what yeah. we yeah. call a spritzer. Yeah. It's making a spritzer. And it's so funny because the Chileans will always pick on the Argentines and say they don't really drink wine. They drink wine with soda water. Yeah. <laughs> so why do they even make it? You know, so why, it's, why it's is what this, they do. It's the problem is, the pro- in my is opinion the is, if you buy a really, if you have guests over and you're spending a lot of money on like a very fancy bottle of white wine and then someone dumps something into it, that's different. But if that's you're just different. taking a $10 or $15 yes. bottle of really wholesome, simple white wine, chilling it icy cold, adding some soda, soda water, water to it, it freshen it up yeah. a bit. And, and let me, that's, that's what you want. Wait, wait a minute. Let me preface this with, this is not what I'm serving with dinner. This isn't a nice bottle like what you just said I opened up to go with the food. This is just people are just coming over to the house. Mm-hmm. It's a hot day. And I'm just giving you a nice little let's thing to add, sip on. Let's add in in terms of heat and safety. Yeah. People are drinking yeah. over the course of hours. Yes, you're having food, so mm-hmm. it's being absorbed by the food, the alcohol content. But people have to drive home. And right. so mm-hmm. everybody's thinking about, mm-hmm. I want to have the lightness of a little bit of alcohol mm-hmm. with the spritz of the spritzer. Yeah. They want to have. Glass, yeah, I'm gonna. Nice. I know I'm right. gonna have real wine with dinner, yeah. and who knows what after dinner. Yeah. And so it, people are being conscious, and that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, you I know, like it for I'm all kinds keep, of reasons. You know what? People made fun of me that night, but I'm gonna keep doing it because you I like it. Fun all, my guests were kind of poking fun, like you're a chef, you're putting soda in wine. I'm no. like, and I and ice cubes. No, I did both. Right? Wait, I did. I did soda <laughs> and that ice cubes. Refreshing. And it was just. And again, this wasn't the. And I had wine on the table. They could see we were going to have wine and with our food. But this was oh. just the little like. You need oh, new oh, friends. Yeah. No, life is I, too I, need, short. No, I need to take my friends and really get them to see that life is too short. Now they come know. on, enjoy it. Now they and, they, and we did have great wine with dinner. So. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think you should feel the least. No, I'm not bit. going to anymore. I think you should keep doing exactly mm-hmm. what you're doing. Thank you. Because I'm not just being nice. I think it makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. It gives it a little party feel, I think. And I'm going like to do that. the ice cubes with the little fruit in there, too. Because that's even better. Right? A little ice cube with fruit in it, and boom, I'm in. In our next segment, we want to talk about, we've got a couple of wines. Are you, like, really, a lot of wine talk. We've got a couple of great wine discoveries coming your way. These are both reds for grilled food, and they are terrific, even as the weather heats up. 
We want to also talk about a soft-shell crab plate discovery in Uh Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Oh, did it get a good review. And they're still in the market if you want to make them at home or get them Mm -hmm. in restaurants. Oh, if you love them, or maybe you've never tried them before, give it a shot. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Like I'm in, in the studio, this music is playing, and what am I doing? I'm looking at our shoes. I'm really, I'm looking. I got uh, new ones. So yeah. Alex is normally wearing loafers, and today he's wearing his sneakers. <laughs> Chris always wears his clogs, uh, surgical clogs. Yeah. You can actually put them in the dishwasher to yeah. clean them. Mark is wearing uh, sort of classic, traditional, chic Euro loafers. Thank you for I noticing. <laughs> I loved them. <laughs> and I am wearing my new mustard yellow. Uh, mustard, I like the mustard yellow. yellow. I was going to say something earlier. Shoes from Fly in London. I just love these. Robin, I can't see what what do you what shoes you Put your on? feet up. I am wearing <laughs> black Mary Janes cuz I am a classic kind of girl. All right, that's good. So, um here's the deal. You can sign up for our free podcast, which means a copy of the show, and we'll send it to you in your inbox. It'll just come to you in the mail, and you can listen on your schedule. It's that simple. You go to foodschmooze.org. I'm with my buddies. When I say treasured food buddies, I mean it. Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner. I'm going to work until they carry me out of here in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm hugging you right now. (laughs) You're the best face. I can't bear the thought of being not in your presence. I am with the treasured food buddies. Chris Prosperi, who is chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Wine broker, Alex Province, Mark Raymond, wine broker also, Anthony DeSario will be back with us soon, and we are about to talk about soft-shell crab. Some people don't like them. It's too weird for them. It feels like you're eating an insect. Uh, okay. I don't get that. I love them. I love them. I love, them. I love Mark, crab to begin don't, with. Don't so. look. That's Mark what has I tell a people. discovery. Go. Yeah, so uh, we had finished up... Uh, Spring concert that my daughter was doing at, at the high school, and um, we went out to dinner. And Is I, this Weathersfield? No, this was uh, West Hartford. We were okay. in West Hartford Center. We scooted over to Max Oyster Bar, nice. and they had this soft-shell crab 
pan-seared, um, lightly dusted, and then it was served over a roasted tomato and fennel polenta. Sounds awesome. It was so delicious. And I took a picture of it. Yeah. And, and we have it on the website. Yeah, absolutely delicious. I, I got to suggest a dozen oysters if you're going there first. But we had those first. <laughs> yeah, we did. And a bottle of rosé. Yeah, and yes. a bottle or, or yeah, yeah. Or sunset. Yeah. Well, we actually had a bottle those. of champagne. But yeah. There you go. You're celebrating. Oh. Got to have some champagne. <laughs> okay, so that is posted right now at foodschmooze.org, and so are the wines we're mm. about to talk about. These are two reds. One kind of has a whisper of the fruit in it, and it's lovely in the mouth, friendly, kind of a little joyousness. That one's from Spain. The other wine, these are both affordable. The other wine has a note of strength in the background. So if you were doing grilled steak... Mm. Uh, you know, mm. a little velvet elegance to it. And it's a wine we've had on the show before. Mm-hmm. And I think it is just terrific with meats on the grill. So, okay, let's start with, and by the way, you know what we have coming up in our next segment? We've got Dr. Rock Positano. He's got a book out called Dinner with DiMaggio. He became great friends with Joe DiMaggio. I can't wait to talk to him. He's incredible guy. And he's one of the great, great specialists in how mm. to care for people's feet so there are a lot of athletes Speaking that's how he feet. knew that's how he knew my, that's, that's why you were looking at Joe our shoes. <laughs> that's how. so um he's amazing he's one of these people who is a rock star because he saves people from surgery everybody thinks i've got to have surgery and then you go see this guy you know he'll send you to surgery if you have to but it's the last resort but his stories, Joe DiMaggio, unbelievable. And he loves food. So we're going to talk about food for the most part. Okay. This is called, we did Baron DeLay. Mm-hmm. And Mark, it was one of my favorite wines of the year. And it was, which Baron DeLay? We did the Rioja Reserva. This is Baron DeLay Tempranillo 2015. This is on our website, foodschmooze.org. So this is a little less elegant, but I think, wow, I really like this. This is an interesting style. This is um, what would be considered a Hoven style, which really just means it's not aged in oak for so long. And so it's six months in all-American oak, which is great for Tempranillo. So Rioja, region of Spain. Yep, all from Rioja. And it is just a fresh, easy-drinking style of Tempranillo. You know, when I think of grilling, I usually, there are a couple of grapes I think of. I think of Malbec and I think of Tempranillo. Yeah. I mean, there's so many more, but these are two grapes that I always kind of fall back on. So if you have, I like to do these reds as we approach summer because there are people who don't like white wine. They just prefer red, but it's tricky. What goes with vegetables on the grill? What goes Mm -hmm. with meat on the grill? So that's this. The price would roughly be? About $12 a bottle. Okay, wow, so nice. this is yeah. Baron Sweet Delay. Spot. Yeah. It's the Tempranillo, not the Reserva mm-hmm. that we talked about last time, which is a little more expensive. So for around $12, great. Goes with everything on the ground. Can I put an ice cube in that? You can definitely put a Tempranillo ice cream. Right, or a little chill with it, right? Yeah, put it in the fridge for a little while beforehand. That's what I I do. Do you do that in the summer My red wines, you know, people will say 10 minutes. I leave mine in there for an hour. Good for you. I want them cold. Yes. And they warm up anyway. And they still go great with the steak, even though they're chilled, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the label on that wine, if you brought that to, you know, like a picnic, it looks expensive. Beautiful label. 
label. Yeah. Nice so elegant. And really, it's at somebody's house, right, Alex? You want to bring something that tastes great. So you feel proud. Yeah. I think this is in that price category. I think it's a steal. Terrific. Really. Total excellent. Steal. At our, our website, foodschmooze.org. It goes with everything. Everything. Okay. <laughs> now, we're going to jump over to this other selection. And this was on the show before, but I think this is a great mm. summer drinker for grilled meats. Yeah, I love it's, this one. Um, this isn't, the, the other one was a, a Mark Discovery. This is an Alex province discovery domaine le clos de lumiere so is it house of light yeah in the wine industry clos is just a walden vineyard but they have a yeah. a religious clos on the label so yeah so house of light now this is a cote de rhone mm-hmm. yeah so the south this. of france so in the north it's really steep and rocky and terrace and you come down to the south and it's just like what you envision south of france to be like cypress trees and lavender growing and these rounded hills it's so romantic and yeah. thinking of like bicycles with baguettes sticking out mm. i mean so i just love the <laughs> south of france and this is like one of those bottles that you would just have like at a cafe it's just wholesomely made it's a spanish grape ganache and it's blended with a little bit of syrah and this is something matt and i would have at home on a nightly basis you know you would do this with like lamb chops on the grill you do it hamburgers you know for 14 dollars, this is like those wholesome wines that aren't made with anything artificial but like are just such good values and nice wine to have it's so fresh it's so juicy I love that it comes with a Stelvin closure, so it makes it really accessible. Yeah. You know, Stelvin closure, the screw cap, so you can you know you can just take it with That's you on picnics and things like things that, now. which I absolutely love. I do too. Oh. Yeah, and, and, and a chill. I would definitely keep Absolutely. this in the refrigerator. That's or our, if you're going out on your picnic, you put it in the cooler with your ice, yeah. with your beer, yeah. and you just yeah. chill it down, so, and it's so ready to go. You can hear that we are all fans, and we mm-hmm. drink lots of wine. We're all fans of putting your reds, and when it gets to be this weather, in the refrigerator. There's only one thing that hurts a wine, and that is heat. If you go to a wine shop, and it's summertime, and you keep the wine in the car with the windows rolled up, you will cook a wine, and you will make mm-hmm. it undrinkable. Bad. very bad. But putting a wine in the refrigerator does not hurt it. I mean, not as far all. as the structure of the wine, it makes it much more refreshing, but it will not hurt the wine. Not at all. Not at all. So, so better to, uh, if you are going to a picnic, and you can't put it on ice, maybe you can, but if you can't, uh, really put it in the refrigerator for an hour or two it's a great and idea. then yeah. put it in your picnic carry-on mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then off you go in the car and it's you know starting yeah. to warm down but it's had that chill mm-hmm. on it still has that chill yeah. but i like drinking it with a chill on it in the mm-hmm. summer and yeah. these are two wines that can stand that chill you know how there are white wines and you can over chill something there are champagnes you can over chill i love cold champagne i love but there's a point you cross with some of Agreed. these things have delicacy yeah. where you can't taste all the complexity right mm-hmm. right with these red wines there's a joyousness or a tannin in the background that just says, sure, chill me up, and I'm going to be good in the glass. And it warms while you're holding it. It's right? gonna, yeah, so it's going to warm up naturally, and you're going to get all those flavors and nuances I love like as the, it the condensation on the outside of a wine glass. You're at a picnic, and oh, you yeah. just, you know, it's Aww. dripping down. Oh, so you're refreshing. You're at a concert. You're one of these yeah. concerts. Picnic or Tanglewood oh. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, both of them, Baron Delay, Tempranillo, and Domaine Le Clos de Lumière, which is really a wine from the uh, south of France, both of them red. 
these are 12 to 14 15 dollars really in the affordable price category could be weeknight wines for you could be something you could proudly bring to people's houses at our website foodschmooze.org you know how this goes you know how to spell food <laughs> schmooze i can help you s c h like school right m o o like the cow z e z e so it turns out that this little thing that i invented on the show to explain it to you chris says he uses it I use it all the time when people ask me how to spell it, and I say that because it just yeah, it, it works. It's a good yeah. mnemonic. No, <laughs> it works. Um, so I was thinking the other day about making a. I love shrimp scampi. Oh, I don't yeah. Know oh yeah. I was thinking about how do we do a shrimp scampi sauce to put on anything? Mm. To put on these vegetable noodles that we're all making now. Oh, yeah. To put on rice. To put just with the shrimp itself that can work, you know, as the weather heats up. Mm-hmm. It's just a delicious thing. Mm-hmm. And so how would you all do it? I I like it with a little bit of breadcrumbs, whether they are regular or gluten-free, sprinkled on the top Gives just before crunch. serving. I like to serve it on a little bit of pasta or mm-hmm. rice or couscous sure. or whatever you've got. Um, some people will just do it on the plate by itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what? A few pepper flakes. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, absolutely. Not to not to for it to be hot, just but to give, just to give it a little spice. Background, yeah. right? It's like, just a little bit. Okay, so my mother-in-law makes them, and she uses it. She'll actually take the shrimp and bread them with the uh, rich cracker crumbs, and then she'll That's put it into way. the oven and bake them there, and then add them to the sauce. And afterwards. they let them soak. No. Yeah, yeah, let the sauce soak into the breadcrumbs. Exactly. No. I, lo- exactly. I want to meet her. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. come we haven't been invited to that thing? Yeah. Well, All right. Wait. Wait. You are invited. Consider yourself it, invited. Does she dip it in egg first before the Ritz cracker? No. Comes? No. No. What? She what? just rolls it right yeah. into the powdered the sh- Ritz. The wet when, shrimp. The that... wet shrimp into the and then she puts them on a sheet yep. baking sheet and when puts them in the oven for about five minutes. That's it, because you just want them cooked enough. Pink. So when you put them into Light the sauce, pink. they finish cooking, oh, and you don't yeah. want them over. A drizzle of olive oil or anything? And that no, no, no just dry. The dry Ritz into crack. the other. Got, now, do you remember how she makes her little scampi sauce on the stovetop? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, okay. you know, the olive oil and then the garlic. garlic. and then the, Sliced garlic. Don't don't let it get too brown because you want mm. the aromatics mm. of the garlic, but you yeah. don't want it, you know, too roasted. Yeah. And then she'll throw in um, some butter. She'll throw in some capers. So olive oil with just a touch of butter for flavor right absolutely uh-huh and she throws in capers she throws in capers uh-huh. gotta have the capers would she put chives because i would i don't she does not okay she, she does put in a little bit of lemon zest at the end parsley oh. yeah gotta just have to parsley. Get lemon juice touch. yeah no not lemon juice lemon just zest left. just oh. the zest of the <gasps> lemon and then parsley to finish yeah. of course Fresh parsley. Fresh parsley from the garden outside. Yeah. Grows all year. Exactly. And then uh, with pasta or what? With, with Well, with, with, yeah, we usually use a dry shrimp. pasta when at my mother-in-law's, but I, I totally would do this over the zucchini noodles. I like that. I think it would be yeah. fantastic over zucchini noodles. And you can now get these noodles yet. in the supermarket already done. That's pretty cool. Or you can do them yourself. I have one of the... Spiral. Um, How long know, do they take to cook? Are... Not long at all. Oh, my oh, God. Just like flash nothing. cook them? Yeah, I would just... Yeah. No, I wouldn't cook them all. I would just heat them up in that sauce. I, just right. put but them yeah. in the sauce and let I them warm do, up. I do, because I like to brown them a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I do them in olive oil and I brown them up. 
because mm. I, I just like that texture, that little bit of crunch in there. Yeah, yeah. And then I mix with your things. With oh, the yeah. sauce. With the sauce. Throw yeah. them in the sauce. So kind it's of funny because we were talking about this on on the trip to Spain. Matt was asking the difference between like scampi and gambas al ajillo. Yeah. So just like oh. One's oven, one's on the yeah, stovetop. Yeah, what is yeah. that? So gambas al ajillo on the stovetop. And, so and that, you don't even have to cook them hot, like super hot. That's it's a Spanish it's, thing. Oh, so Portuguese. Good. Spanish, Spanish Portuguese. Spanish Portuguese with a big thing of crusty bread to soak up all the olive oil. Oh, oh yeah. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going crazy. All right, what do we got next? You know what we have? We have Dinner with Joe DiMaggio. Dr. Rock Positano is our guest. He's going to talk about where he eats in New York. And, man, mm. does this guy like food. Mm-hmm. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers for a podcast copy of the show free to you in your inbox. Go to foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. This is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including in New York, of course, Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, that meets the Hamptons. The senior producer is Robin Doyon Aiken. To hear this show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. You know, I say that Saturdays thing that way because so many people on Saturdays plan their shopping outings around the show. And if we say something about a discovery, they go get it <laughs> on the show, which is it's some we adore that here. So um, the show airs Thursdays at 3, Saturdays at noon. Podcasts, which means free copies of the show that we'll send to you, are curated recommendations of food, wine, and cocktails, always online at foodschmooze.org. Now, here's the thing that I've been waiting for in the show. There is a guy, and his name is included in this. He's a rock star, not only in New York, but really in the United States as one of these genius foot doctors. And if you go into the waiting room, you see every imaginable star in so many sports, great chefs from the food world, people from all walks of life, because what he does is find a non-surgical solution for people who have foot problems. You might think, what is this doing on the food (laughs) (laughs) This Rock Positano has been on the show before when the show was the Faith Middleton show, and we were talking about feet health, how that connects to knee problems and hip problems later in life. On and on we went, and it was a huge hit on the show. Now, I know that he is a huge food lover. (laughs) What comes into my office? He writes a book because he became very close friends with Joe DiMaggio. 
Wow. Now, certain people of a certain age on the show are going to say, yeah, I think he was a baseball player. Blah, blah. He was one of the most amazing, iconic baseball players. Absolutely. Oh Married God, to yes. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> I mean, you know, everything about this guy. Very cool. So I want to talk to Rock Positano about his love of food and wine and then switch off into his world with this book and Joe DiMaggio, what caused him to tell this story. Dr. Rock Positano in New York, welcome to the Food Schmooze Party. Welcome back, I should say. Thank you so much, and it's really a pleasure listening to you guys talk about all the finer culinary things in life. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know and of course, you know, Faith, being a foot specialist, as you can imagine, there's nothing that contributes more to the development of gout than great <laughs> wine and great food. That's right. <laughs> we keep you in business. <laughs> Down the road, I think all of us should start the gout club, which yeah, yeah. should be connected to, like, which great restaurants in New York or around New England can give you the best case of gout. <laughs> wow. The gout scale. The gout scale. Is he the best? I used to, by the way, Rock Positano, Dr. Positano is in his office, and so you might hear in the background these, you know, like medical type things, but I'm calling you Rock because I do, but I, I mean, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Positano, um, you and I used to talk about Rayo's in New York. Where are you eating? What are some of your favorite places in New York? It's interesting how the landscape has changed in the city. I find a really, really good place is uh, Campagnola, which is a great restaurant on First Avenue in the Upper East 70s. Campagnola has a very good feel to it. The cuisine is excellent. It's not very heavy. The food is prepared in a very, very distinct way where it's not overbearing. So people don't walk out of Campagnola feeling like, oh, my goodness, you have to wheel me out in a wheelbarrow. (laughs) It sort of took the place of uh, Bravo Johnny, which, as you know, was a great restaurant back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s that closed down because of the unfortunate uh, passing of Johnny Garvelli. But Campagnola has become the more upscale place on the Upper East Side. Another really great place is downtown called George Own. Excellent, excellent wine list, excellent selection of food. Again, not very heavy. They tend to be more, quote-unquote, specialty Italian, but not overbearing. They do have you know, traditional things like steak and veal and chicken, but I think Giorgione is another one of those places, Faith, that people, if they gave it a try and a listen to, would probably love it. It's just a, it's a great restaurant. And actually, the fellow who runs the place, A.J. Catalfo, great front-of-the-house person, makes everybody feel like you know they're part of the family and it's a really great dining experience uh, i'm writing these down yeah. because, you know yeah. because you read about some places in new york but those are only the ones that you know that are the, the yeah. hot place or whatever and these sound like the in places for people from the city the thing about this is that a lot of the people that go to these places these are people that are very high profile that want to go to a restaurant where number one the food is fabulous number two the service is fabulous, but number three, they're left alone in peace to enjoy their dinner. Nice. Mm-hmm. Of course, another one, which is one of our favorites, which was one of Mr. DiMaggio's favorites, was Latanzi, which <gasps> is a, uh, on West 46th Street uh, on the west side in the theater district. And Latanzi is an excellent restaurant because it has the Roman Jewish cuisine of the Roman ghettos. Rock, we have never talked about this before. That yeah, I didn't places. know that you were a lover of Latanzi the way I am. You know, Latanzi is one of the best places around because, as you know, Faith, the food is very different. It's not your classic, typical Italian food. It's got a different flavor to it. It has a different lightness to it. Latanzi has been run by the Latanzi family for the past 30 or 40 years. 
They have an excellent maitre d' there by the name of Eddie Costner, who knows all you know, 2,000 patrons that come in. Uh-huh. He, knows the, he knows the drink you like. He knows the table oh, you wow. like. But more important, Faith, he knows if you don't like somebody, not to sit you near them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's important. <laughs> so Latanzi has a dish. I don't, I don't know if you ever try this, Rock, where I think it's the chicken and avocado. Is that is that what that yeah. dish It's the merging of what happened in Rome when Jews and Italians were mixing and the cuisines mixed. This is a hard thing to find, and here is a restaurant that specializes in this. So if you're going to theater, there are a couple. It's in One is in Little Italy, mm. kind of, which has now become part Asian. But Latanzi is a great place mm. to go. I'm writing all these down. So glad you know these notes, but yeah. these are all new places for me. Okay, so now I'm going to flip this because... Rock Positano's book, he is, as I mentioned, a kind of rock star in the health of the foot. People with serious foot issues who are normally about to go into surgery end up in his office if they're lucky. And he has these techniques which save you so often from surgery, though he will honestly say, no, I think you should have the surgery if you should have it. The place is loaded with people whose feet are stressed for a variety of reasons, chefs and athletes. And speaking of athletes, what happens is that Rock Positano becomes really close friends with Joe DiMaggio. The foreword of his book by Francis Ford Coppola, the book is called, here's how it's on the food schmooze, Dinner with DiMaggio. So, Rock, how did you become close friends with him? I know from the book, but go ahead. As you know, he had a world-famous sports injury, his heel, his heel spur, which, as you recall, was internationally renowned. Ernest Hemingway wrote about it in The Old Man and the Sea, and that plagued his career during the late 40s, and he had a surgery of his heel, which unfortunately did not yield the best results, and it caused a lot of pain and discomfort for Joe. I mean, he admitted himself that this caused a lot of his problems during the last few years of his playing days. And fast forward many years later, he is very friendly with Bill Gallo, who's the famous New York Daily News sports cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And he was complaining to Bill one day about his heel was still bothering him 30, 40, 50 years after he had his operation. And Bill said, you know, Joe, I know this really nice kid. He grew up in Brooklyn. He finished up his studies at Yale. He did a lot of work on treating people's musculoskeletal problems without surgery. I think he'd get along with him. He'd be someone you may even want to hang out with because, you know, he, he tends to be a lot of fun. But the most important thing is that he knows how to keep his mouth shut, which was very important to DiMaggio, as you can imagine. So Bill calls me up and says, look, Rock, drop him a little note. So I figured, you know, what the heck? I was very respectful, Faith. I said, Mr. DiMaggio, my name is Rock Positano. Our very mutual dear friend, Bill Gallo, asked me to drop you a note. That night, I get a call from the receptionist and says, Rock, you're not going to believe this. There's a guy up here, impeccably dressed, who looks just like Joe DiMaggio. So, of course, I run out of the office, and there he is. He looked like an Adonis. I was very careful. I was very formal with him because I knew Mr. DiMaggio did not like people to call him by the name Joe. I said, Mr. DiMaggio, it's a pleasure to meet you. And the rest was history. I mean, after a few months, I got him well. I took great care of him. And after our doctor-patient relationship ended, he just dropped by one day and said, listen, hey, doc, why don't we go grab a cup of coffee? And took a liking to yeah. me. I took a liking to him. And we just hit it off well. Yeah. So what's the side of him, Joe DiMaggio, that was really interesting to you in terms of what people didn't know about him? What I always found amazing about Joe, and the reason why we named the book Dinner with DiMaggio is because there was a whole different Joe DiMaggio that would sit down at the dinner table. Eating dinner with close friends and family was sacred to DiMaggio. 
And the way to understand Joe was to actually be able or to be fortunate enough to be able to sit down at the dinner table with him and have something to eat or something like to drink. It became a whole other experience. This was a cultural thing, coming from an Italian background, as he did growing up in the Bay Area. They were very much into family. And, of course, you know, the mm-hmm. famous Sunday dinners that Italians have had for hundreds of years really went into full effect. Joe would open up and talk about everything. He'd talk about life. He'd talk about people. He'd talk about sports. He'd talk about his family. He'd talk about the stock market. And one of the things that we found about the experience when we did the book, there were three things that were for sure. Number one, the book, Faith, was not about baseball. Number two, it was not about Marilyn Monroe. And number three, it wasn't a tell-all book. Yeah. So we, we basically went over thousands and thousands of notes of all the dinners that I had with him and picked out caveats that spoke about life and about people and about how to behave a certain way or about how to look yeah. at something historically. In a way, it's kind of Tuesdays with Maury more than it is uh, one of these tell-all books, Dinner with DiMaggio. You know, what happens with people who discover each other and have a really, you know, a deep friendship evolves? And Tuesdays with Maury is that story. And so, in a way, you and DiMaggio are that story, I think. In in many respects, of course, Joe was very much the teacher, and I was the student. Why is that? He took the time to explain to me about relationships, how to be careful with people, not always be so out there, you know, to be careful about what you share with people. In many respects, Joe took me under his wing, and he took the time to teach me how to think really, really hard about situations, to think about what's around the corner. These were very much street-smart types of things. Now, he knew I had the upbringing because I was a nice Brooklyn boy, and he knew I was a street kid, you know, and he knew I spent a lot of time out in the streets, got into enough scraps with people, as you can imagine, to know how to deal with people. But Joe took that type of an interest in me where he wanted to share you know, his life experiences with me about Uh what to watch out for. That was an invaluable experience. Well, what did you, uh, certainly he was famous. You're in the company of someone who was a kind of genius at what he did. If you move those things aside, what did you like about him? What I loved about him, he was so personable. People always painted him as being aloof and cheap and this and that. And Of course, these were people that never had the privilege and honor to sit down at the dinner table with DiMaggio. I had that privilege, and I got to see that warm, loving, sincere, kind, caring, articulate, funny American icon. And Mm -hmm. that, that was one of the things that I always remembered as being, my goodness, here's an American icon that people don't know anything about. And he's talking to me about simple things that mean a lot to people. He was talking to me about Beanie Babies. He's talking to me about Coolio's uh, Gangster Paradise, stuff that everybody else would talk about with their kids or their grandkids. And and I I really found it amazing. He knew about politics. He knew about sports. He knew about entertainment. He knew about the movies. This man was an absolute brilliant person. He could have easily have been a scholar at any one of the major Mm, universities. That's so interesting. The book is called, by our guest, the uh, foot specialist, Dr. Rock Positano in New York, Dinner with DiMaggio. I wonder he had an attractive uh, part of himself physically and all that. But what do you think Marilyn Monroe saw in him? Was there a safety? You know, I think she probably wanted to feel safe. Maybe he did too. That was a big part of it, Faith, which is what I think also with the relationship with Joe and I was about. When Joe cared about somebody, he was able to nurture them, to protect them, 
make them feel good about themselves. And Joe had that ability to do that with people. And clearly he was very concerned and very worried and doting on Marilyn Monroe for many reasons. Because first and foremost, he he clearly loved her and cared about her. Mm -hmm. People asked, what was the relationship with you guys? I said, it was very much similar to that. Towards the last four or five years of our relationship, Joe felt very protected by me. He had a level of comfort and protection with me that allowed him to enjoy himself, particularly in New York. You know, what the book is really about, Faith, mm-hmm. it's really a snapshot of DiMaggio's last nine years of New York City. The key yeah. thing, it spoke about what a great town this was. Because remember something, Faith, when Joe was playing baseball for the New York Yankees and playing center field, he couldn't go anywhere without being mobbed. Yeah. You know, what we were able to provide for Joe for that last eight or nine years, and this is myself and the other members of what we call the Bat Pack, who are also a bunch of restaurateurs, Mario Faustini, Nat Racine, people that had a great restaurant uh, up in uh, Scarsdale area, Eastchester area, and we were all able to make Joe feel comfortable and safe. Mm. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah, that's a treasure. I think that came from everybody's background where... That kind of loyalty is really treasured. I wish we didn't have to run, Rock. This is Dr. Rock Positano, who is author of the book Dinner with DiMaggio. It's so, so interesting. And Dr. Positano, the foot specialist, is a director of the Non-Surgical Foot and Ankle Service and the Joe DiMaggio Sports Foot and Ankle Center at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City. Graduated from Yale University School of Medicine and is really quite something. Dr. Positano, thank you so much for being with us and best of luck with this book on the memories of an American hero. Thank you. Thank you so much. And of course, how appropriate that this book is also about Joe's culinary expertise. (laughs) I know it. Joe was an absolute connoisseur, and he was a snob when it came to culinary stuff. So it's very appropriate that he had his special spots in New York City to go and eat. That's interesting because snob is another word for someone with taste. I would argue that you too, Rock, are particular about whether something's good or not. It's not the fanciness of the thing. It's whether it's really good. So... Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you so much. You have a great program, and keep up the great work. I, I enjoy listening to you guys and gals, so keep it up. We will. Thank you so much, Rock, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. We are on WNPR, Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes. Never, my friends, eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little party in your life, we're here and online all the time at foodschmooze.org. And of course, also on Facebook at Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. See you there.